this week, I was, we, we finished the pause series and I was gonna, I had another one prepared and then I got this idea for, for another one. So I started doing research and, and I just felt like the Lord gave me a message that's a one-off. And so um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach to you that I, I believe it's a prophetic word. I believe it's a timely word and I believe it's something for you. I know it's for me. And so I just, you know, I want to yield to the Holy Spirit in that, even in, even in what we're preaching. And um, the title of this message is Waiting on a Warrior. Everybody say, waiting. Everybody hates to wait. I hate to wait. Nobody signed up and said, I would like to wait longer, please. So, you know, I get that. Um, and, and in my life, it's, it's, or, it's awful. And I was feeling um, not stressed, not pressed, but um, I think the word is frustrated. Because there's some things in my life, in, in, in the life of our church, that, that, that I was waiting on the Lord to do. And I felt like um, he just said, wait till a certain time. And I just said, God, all of these things are for you, so why do I need to wait? Like, can't you just do it? Have you ever thought, had that conversation with God? Like, I mean... Come on, this is good stuff. I'm not asking you for a boat or something. I'm like, I'm like, like this is to move the needle forward for the kingdom, right? And I, he just said, just wait. And I just got incredibly frustrated by that, you know? And, and I don't know if God frustrates you, but if he doesn't, listen harder. <laughs> you know? Because God offends me. He frustrates me. He challenges me. He comforts me. He loves me. All the things, right? And so... So, he, so I, I started to think about this, and I'm going to preach from a passage of Scripture that you're going to know. If you're, if you're a Christ follower here today, you're a church person, then you're going to understand when I say 1 Samuel 17 exactly the passage that I'm going with. But I'm going to preach at it from a completely different angle. I've never preached this passage from this angle. And, and I want to talk to you today about smooth stones. Everybody say smooth smooth stones you know yeah, th there's something about a smooth stone so first samuel 17 verse 40 then david took his staff in his hand chose five smooth stones everybody say smooth smooth stones from the stream put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag with his sling in his hand he approached the philistine he chose, I'm going to preach from this passage in, in another series later this year called David the Great, and it will look nothing like this. And I love that about the Word of God, is that, that it doesn't mold to my will, but the Holy Spirit brings different things out of the Word and illuminates them to you. And so, I want to talk to you about erosion for a minute. And you might go, oh, that's weird. But when you deal with stones, erosion is really important, because erosion is a gradual, a gradual weakening or loss of something. It, it, it actually means a gradual diminishment of something. And, and, and if you look at smooth stones, you have to understand the process of weathering. Weathering is critical. I think of streams and rivers when I think of stones, but weathering is a word that involves process. So it involves time, and it involves steps over time, okay? So some rocks are rounded by normal processes like being carried along by a river or being washed by ocean waves. But smooth rocks are due to a process called weathering, which is the wearing away of rock and mineral deposits by exposure to elements. Hear me. Scientists look at two different categories of weathering, physical and chemical. Physical weathering happens when physical forces act on a rock. So 
rocks tumbling over one another in a riverbed and knocking pieces off of each other, okay? You hearing me? So, the, so, so that would be physical. Chemical weathering is where rain, acidic, acidity, hits rock and starts to change the essential composition, the chemical composition of that rock. And it starts to dissolve pieces of it away. So two different kinds. I also think there's an art of weathering, right? Some people use rock tumblers, other things. But, but art defined is the, I want you to hear this because this is what God does. It's the conscious use of skill and creative imagination in production. Hear me. The conscious use of skill and imagination. You serve an imaginative, creative God. An imaginative and creative God. It's an occupation that requires knowledge and skill. So, so I want you to think of yourself as a rock because the process of erosion, again, is the stripping away and the destruction of self. Hear me. Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. A lot of us live in the Son of God, but we really don't live by faith, and that's a whole other message. But it says, I live by faith in the Son of God. Philippians 1.21, For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Do you see how, how that process begins to take shape in the life of Paul? 2 Corinthians 5.17, If anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. The old has passed away. All things have become new. Maybe look at this one. John the Baptist, looking at Jesus, said, He must increase and I must decrease. Are you with me now? Erosion. I am being exposed to the processes of God's work and will in my life, and I am being tumbled, chipped, and fundamentally changed from the inside out. Are you with me today? So erosion typically happens from being exposed to water. And isn't it interesting that the Bible calls the Holy Spirit the water of God? Are you with me? John 7, 38. Whoever believes in me, Jesus says, as the scripture has said, streams of living, streams of living, streams of living, oh, erosion. Streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant, just in case you were tripping, just in case you didn't get it, just in case you didn't understand, by, John then says, by this, that water, that streams of living water, he meant the Holy Spirit, whom those who believed in him, or him, were later to receive. Are you hearing me? Ephesians 5, 18, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, God gave you an alternative for what the world uses to medicate, we use to illuminate. Whole nother message. Again, there's lots of them here. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. You got two things you can always choose from. You can med medicate or you can illuminate. Illuminate will get to the root of the problem. Medicate will just save you for a quick minute. All right, enough of that. Move on. God, through a process, knocks the hard and the sharp and the jagged and the sinful things off of your life as you are tumbling around through a complete loss of control. Are you with me? As you yield 
to him and shapes and fashions you. You know what's interesting? Rocks, every rock you see in the river was always once a part of a larger mass. It was a part of something bigger. But after a rock has been dislodged from its home, it becomes increasingly subject to the natural forces of water. Hear me now. I want you to get this. God will separate you from what you once thought made you secure, even though you really weren't. And all that loss that you might feel is actually not loss, it's gain. That's why Paul said, whatever I considered profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Are you with me? Whatever used to be to my profit, it's loss. It, it redefined some things. I got separated from some things, and God began to work on me. God began to do some things in me. God, God began. I didn't understand the process at the time. I just felt I was losing, losing, losing. But God isolated me so he could work on me and he could do something in me. Are you with me? Because he needed the rain to hit me in a different way. He needed the water to flow over my life in a different way. And it couldn't happen with the group and with the thing and with the situation that I was in. Are you following me? Listen, 1 Peter 2.9, you're a chosen people. A royal priesthood, a holy nation belonging to God that you could declare his praises of him who called you what? Out of darkness, separated into his glorious light. Are you with me? Separated. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. See, you couldn't get mercy while you were attached, but you could get it when you were isolated. Are you with me? You couldn't get it while you couldn't find light in darkness, but you could find it once you stepped into light. There are certain things that you can't get till you get isolated and alone. Huh? Are you following me? First Peter 2.11, dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world, separated. Are you following me? That... That to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. See, stones are smoothed by being carried by a river. The stone has no say in where it goes once the water takes it. Every stone you see has been taken there. It has been dislodged. It used to be a part of something else, and it has been shaped in fashion. The power of the water takes the stone where it wants to go. Virtually all of those rocks, the impact between that rock and other rocks knocks the hard edges off, begins to do some things. It's called transport-induced abrasion. We could get really technical on it. We don't need to, but I just want you to know that, that stones are actually smooth, not only by that, but by their broken bits. That the sediment of what used to be a part of them continues to froth and toil in the river and sandblast the rock. Hear me. What the rock lost actually helps it smooth, get smoother. Following me? It doesn't just shape it. You can have a round rock, but not a smooth rock. You're not, you're not getting it. I'm going to help you. A rock is constantly being bombarded by water and the sediments of the river of which used to be a part of the rock. Hear me. So that reminds me of the power of our testimony. Revelation 12, 11 says, They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb 
and the word of their testimony. So, so, pastor, what are you telling me? That God can take the things that he saved me from and use them to inflict damage on the enemy and still shape my life. Is anybody with me? If, you, if, if you're used to party, that just means you got more people to share the gospel with. You following me? Look at the Samaritan woman at the well. Listen, hear, hear, just hear me. Jesus said, you're right when you say you don't have one husband, you have, you've had five, and the person you're living with now ain't your husband. Bits of an old life. Are you hearing me? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and told people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came to the town and made their way towards him. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Testimony. All those broken bits forming and shaping the rock and making it smooth. Listen, he told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came, they urged him to stay two more days. Because of his words, many became believers. And they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we've heard for ourselves, and we know this man really is the Savior of the world. Testimony, broken bits, smoothing rock. What about Genesis 50? Joseph says to his brothers, don't be afraid. I'm not in the place of God. You intended to harm me. What you intended for harm, God turned into good the things that used to be a part of my fractured way of life in waiting and in shaping god uses them to blast me and make me smooth it's a testimony the things that used to not be good he now uses for my good are you with me i would hope you'd be more excited about that point than almost any other because we have all had broken bits if you know this then you'll appreciate it at a far deeper level he didn't just rescue you he redeemed you he restored you Joel 2.25 I will repay you for the years that the locusts have eaten anybody there the great locust and the young locust the locusts and the locust swarm my great army that i sent among you i'll repay you for what you lost of your own volition yes, that's a good god they got the locust because of their own sin their own broken bits and god's saying i will repay and restore essentially i'll take what was evil and turn it into good Think about this. This is a redeeming, restoring God. See, you can be round but not smooth. As God begins to smooth you, what's the difference between a round rock and a smooth rock? Well, two things primarily. A, a smooth rock is resistant to resistance. A smooth rock, in another way, physically, is aerodynamic. Hear me. It doesn't, it, 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 it actually resists friction generated by wind resistance and it it cuts through it and it absorbs lift as the wall as the air goes over the rock that's important because also a smooth rock because of that is an accurate rock so it's aerodynamic and it's accurate god wants you to hit the mark 
of the high calling of Jesus Christ on your life. So he will continue to sandblast you with broken bits. He will continue to tumble you in the river. He'll continue to separate you from what made you secure. He'll continue to roll you around a bit. Anybody with me? To take you where you don't know where you're going to end up. Come on. Some things, however, remember there are two processes, physical and chemical. Some things don't need to be beaten off. They need to be changed fundamentally. Are you with me? Hear me. Ezekiel 36. I will take you out of the nations. I'll gather you from all the countries and bring you back to your own land. I'll sprinkle you clean with water and you will be clean. I'll cleanse you from all your impurities and your idols. I find it's easy to get rid of a lot of sin. It's harder to remove idols. Hear me. I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I'll remove your heart, your stony heart, and put in a heart of flesh are you with me one that's responsive i'll put my spirit and move you in you and move you to follow my decrees and keep my laws you'll live in the land as with your i gave to your forefathers you'll be my people and i will be your god i will save you for your from your uncleanness that is a chemical fundamental compositional change so sometimes God's going to carry you, and then sometimes God, by his spirit, is just going to say, you know what? You can't do that on your own. I'm going to do that for you. Because you can modify behavior. You will never change a heart. Only Jesus does that. Are you with me? That's me wanting to do what he wants me to do, not me uh, white-knuckling it. You following me? It's really good preaching today. It's amazing. It's the word of God. I want you to say amen so that it releases God's grace in your life. Come on. When you say amen, it means I agree with your word, Lord, and I'm going to allow it to bear fruit. Come on. Say it. And the church said, amen. come on, let, let that get into you. So now we come. Rec- Here's what I want you to see. Now we come to where the rock is needed. Now we come to where the rock is needed. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? Are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to fight me. If he's able to kill me, we'll be your slaves. If I'm able to kill him, you'll be our slaves and our subjects. The Philistines said, This is a problem. This is a problem. Satan picks fights that he shouldn't pick. This day, I defy the ranks of of Israel give me a man and let us fight each other on hearing the Philistines words Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified there were lots of troops but no warriors God's waiting on a warrior there were lots of guys who knew how to obey orders but no men of heart faith and courage that would take on the task are you with me today recognize that challenges are going to be bigger than you They will be. They're not bigger than God in you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Okay? So so dismayed literally means to break into pieces. God, the difference between God and the enemy is God shapes you for your good. The enemy breaks you for your destruction. A broken rock is no good 
Dismayed literally means to shatter. Hear it. Shatter. Not mold, not shake. Terrified. God, 2 Timothy 1.7, if you got anything post-COVID, I hope you remembered this verse. God did not give you a spirit of... Come on. God did not give you a spirit of... Come on, now say it like you own it. God did not give you a spirit of... But of power and of love and a sound mind, somebody. That's what God gave you. What the enemy gave you was destruction, shattering, and terrified. Hear me. Waiting is testing. 1 Samuel 17, 16. For 40 days, the Philistine came forward every morning and evening and every day took his stand hear me 40 days you know 40 days is an important number noah and the flood lasted 40 days moses was on the mountain waiting for the answer for the 10 commandments for 40 days sometimes you got to wait 40 days to get your answer trust me i know I, I'm, I'm living that the spies who went to explore Canaan were there for 40 days. You think God's trying to tell you something? The cost of unbelief was 40 years in the desert. Hello? The temptation of Jesus lasted 40 days. The post-resurrection ministry of Jesus lasted 40 days. After Jesus rose from the dead, he ministered for 40 days. You know why I think he did that? I think he did that to rub it in Satan's face because he tempted him for 40 days. Then he said, for 40 days, I'm going to put my foot on your head for every day that you tempted me. 40 days. 40 days. 40 days, the Philistine. 40 is always a time of testing. It's always a time of testing. In Scripture, if you see 40, just know it's testing. 40 days, and, and I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like my 40 days have gone longer than 40 days. But it's 40 days. 40 days, 40 days. If you're in 40 days, don't worry. The good thing about 40 days is that there's an end to it. There's an end to a season of testing. But waiting is active faith. Waiting is expectant watching. Waiting is submission to God in timing. Waiting is travailing. Waiting is letting a muscle break down so that it builds back bigger. The worst words you'll ever hear in a gym is, let's hold it right there. Because I don't know about you, anybody can do this. But doing this, that's going to hurt. That's going to hurt. Waiting, it's bearing weight from a position of weakness. Paul said, in my weakness, you are made strong. Waiting is always bearing weight in weakness so that he's made strong. Just know that. That's why 1 Timothy 6.14 says, The appearing of our Lord Jesus, which God will bring about in His own time. Come, Lord Jesus, in His time. Acts 1.7, Jesus said, The Father alone knows the dates, the times, the seasons. It's not for you to know. What God is basically saying is, Don't worry about the season. Worry about what God is doing in the waiting, not the season. You can't bear fruit outside of your season. 
It bears fruit in season. Ecclesiastes 3, 1, there's a time for everything. Because there's a de design in God's delay. Every time God d delays, there's a design in it. David left his things with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines, greeted his brothers. As he, as he was talking with them, here's 40 days, Goliath, the champion from Gath, stood, stepped out from his lines, and shouted his usual, usual defiance, and David heard it. I want you to hear that. Everybody here is going to hear something different from life. You can hear fear or you can hear faith. There was only one person that whole day that heard something different. He did not hear dismay, being shattered, and terror. He heard, oh my, what a great opportunity for me to kill a giant. What a great opportunity for me to kill a giant. Israel heard defeat. David heard deliverance. David had seen the hand of God in other ways. Don't you find it odd that David asked what the reward was for killing the giant when he had just gotten there? Everybody else staring this guy down for 40 days, looking at his strength, looking at his power, looking at his size. David shows up and says, so what happens once I kill him? What, what reward do I get? And everybody's like, I can't believe you would even say that. Like how presumptuous, how arrogant. No, there's just a confidence that comes in faith. Because guess what? David did not say it'll be the power of my sling. David didn't say it'll be the power of my staff. He says, oh, you come against me with spear, sword, and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord, the army, the God of the armies of hosts. Hey, the battle is the Lord's. Very different. My confidence are his. If it was David's battle, it's arrogance. If it's God's battle, it's confidence and humility. Are you hearing me? David asked him, what's going to happen? See, the weapons we fight with are not carnal. They're spiritual. They're, they tear down strongholds. There's preparation in your postponement, church. Hear me. David said to Saul, I've been keeping my father's sheep. When a lion came and a bear came and everything else came, I killed it. Your servant killed a lion and a bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be no different. See, David had had delay. You know, you know that Samuel had already anointed him king over Israel, but he wasn't king. Delay, postponement. Come on. So he said, you know what? While I'm waiting, I'll be faithful serving. I'll be a shepherd. I'll kill a lion. I'll kill a bear. I'll know how to the presence of God and worship through playing my heart and all of those things, the very same things that made me a great shepherd are the very same skills that are going to make me a great warrior and the very same skills that are going to make me a great king. If you don't believe me, look at Psalm 78. The Bible says of David's reign and his kingdom and his uh, kingship, he shepherded, shepherded the people with integrity of heart and skillful hands. It did not say that he was a great king and ruled over them. The same things that made him a great shepherd made him a great king. The same things that made him a great shepherd made him a great warrior. The same things that he did in obscurity, the same things that he was faithful to in obscurity, when it didn't think that anybody was looking or cared, God looked and he cared. And those were the same skills that enabled him to kill the giant. I want to encourage you today. 
when you're being faithful, serving God, praying, tithing, serving, loving, doing all the things that you do, just know that even if nobody else sees, God sees, and there will be a payday. There will be a payoff. It will lead you into exactly what he calls you to, because where the river takes you, the stone don't say nothing about. You know what I think about? There are so many moments in the moment. Because of faithful use, David, because he knew how to kill a lion and a bear, because he was a good shepherd, he knew what stones to pick. And if you use the word of God faithfully, you'll know what verse to apply to what problem. He knew not to look for jagged stones that had not submitted themselves to the process of weathering. He knew that the stones that he were going to pick had been separated, had been carried along by the river, and had been placed there and were waiting for him to choose them. That they were in the right place at the right time. Are you hearing me today? Please be encouraged today that, that all of that, all of that drag, all of those years, all of that tumbling, all of that breaking apart, all of that weathering, all of that sandblasting had made those rocks not only round, but smooth. It says David chose five smooth stones, put them in his pouch, and went after it. Went after it. Think about it. That rock had been there for years. Unnoticed, unheralded, unappreciated in preparation. Separated, tumbling, losing, rubbing, engaging in friction the whole time, not knowing where it was going and experiencing all of these changes. And as it lay in that creek bed amongst all the other stones, the one who examined it, found it, passed it, the test above all others picked it up, placed it in the cradle of that sling. It was going to be awakened to a new reality. That stone had no idea that it would be the stone. Hear me. It had no idea that it was that its mark was in the giant's forehead. That that stone had been shaped and destined to kill a giant. Hear me. It didn't know all of that when it was losing everything. Until the warrior, who was just waiting on a warrior, decided to pick it up, examine it, and go, oh, through years of faithful submission, you're the perfect size and shape. You will not cause any resistance, and you will be extremely accurate. I think I'll use you. And that day, God got a victory in Israel that helped a boy that was being prepared for a kingdom walk into it and helped a stone that was being prepared for battle find it. Come on. And that is the God we serve. Wait on a warrior church. He's coming. Would you do me a favor? Let's bow our heads today. I want to invite you to just Receive the grace of God if you need it. If you're online, you've been laying in a riverbed, not knowing what you're going to do, wondering what the loss has been about, I just want you to know there's one who has a destiny and purpose to all of that weathering, and his name is Jesus. And he came to pay a price for sin that we could not. 
He came to give abundant and eternal life. And if you're here today, our whole church is going to pray and introduce you to Jesus. But I want to invite you into a relationship with God, into a relationship of surrender and repentance. We do that by saying a prayer. And when we say that prayer, our sin is forgiven and we walk into abundant and eternal life. Would you join with me today and let's confess that we are sinners in need of a Savior and that God is the Lord and we choose Him. At the end of that, I'm asking you to raise your hand and all heaven will rejoice at your decision. Say this prayer with me nice and loud. Dear God, forgive me of my sin. I turn from it and I turn to you. I ask you to forgive me. I give my life to you, Jesus, and I make you my Lord and Savior today. I receive the grace of the cross. I thank you for the benefits of your resurrection, that I can have abundant and eternal life in you. I thank you for saving me, cleansing, and giving me a new start. In Jesus' name, amen. You said that prayer many heart. Just raise your hand right now so I can see that and celebrate with you. Thank you. That's awesome. Thank you. I appreciate it. Nice and hot, please. Yeah, that's awesome. I think that's amazing. Come on, let's clap for those that did that.